Welcome to Pure Heart Church Podcast, Becoming Like Jesus. You're about to hear another inspirational message, and our prayer is that you are encouraged and one step closer to becoming like Jesus for the sake of others. Well, welcome to everybody. Thanks so much for watching this weekend. I want to wish you a very happy 2022. It's hard to believe that 2021 is is behind us, but we are into a brand new year and we pray that it's a great one for you and for your families. Also want to send a special shout out to Crossroads Recovery. We love you guys and we're so honored to be partnering with what God is doing in your lives. Well, this week we are kicking off a brand new series called Heart and Soul. And what this series is designed to do is underscore the importance of community and the role that it plays in our lives as followers of Jesus. Now, I am admittedly a history nerd. A few years back, I recorded this mini-series on the History Channel called Sons of Liberty, dealing with the American Revolution. And I sat down to watch it, and much to my surprise, my wife Gwen came and sat down next to me. And I'm thinking to myself, this is awesome. It's going to be a great husband-wife bonding moment. And then the show got started, and about three minutes in, Gwen looks at me and she says, yeah, this, this doesn't interest me at all. Bonding time over. In reality is how she felt about Sons of Liberty kind of echoes how I felt about a show called The Bachelor, which has been on for many, many years now. In fact, I think it's something like 25 or 26 seasons that this this show has been running. But this has been a while back, but several seasons ago, I sat down with Gwen for some bonding and watched this riveting drama unfold of this wealthy guy who basically had a harem of women to choose from to hopefully find his wife. So most of you have seen it, but if you don't know the premise to it, they they all the women live in this house and they go out on dates with, with the bachelor. And then at the end of the episode, there's this rose ceremony. And if the girl gets the rose, she got to stay. If she didn't get the rose, she was sent straight to a limousine and then taken directly to the airport. Now, it's, it's great for TV drama. And I didn't watch a lot of it because, kind of like with Sons of Liberty with my wife, this wasn't really my thing. But what I noticed in my limited experience with this show was this, that once the girl that had not gotten the rose, once she got inside the limo, one of two things happened. Either the woman was crying hysterically or she was downright angry and she's spewing venom and she's cursing the the bachelor. Now, here's why I believe these women were being so emotional. It wasn't because they lost out on love because, I mean, let's be honest, they barely knew the guy. They were upset and angry and discouraged because they didn't get picked. Somebody looked at them and said, you're not good enough. You're out. Now, there's probably very few of us that can relate to not getting a rose. The, the closest thing that I can relate to, I, I, w- I was dating this girl when I was about 16 years old, and, and she broke up with me, and, and I, I, I'm not making this up. She looked at me when she broke up with me, and she said, you know, John, I, I just want Jesus to be my boyfriend for a while. And I was kind of like, yeah, I mean, you know, who am I to compete with that, right? It's, it's just not going to happen. Well, the interesting thing was about 
two weeks later, I saw her with another guy. So truth is, I never felt more Christ-like in my life because Jesus and I were in the same company. Neither one of us were good enough. And so that's the closest thing I can relate to the whole rose thing. But I think at some level, all of us can relate to what it feels like not to get picked or to be out. Maybe for you, it was a moment where you didn't make the team. You didn't get asked to the dance. You couldn't break into that uh, group of friends that you so desperately wanted to break into. You didn't get the acceptance letter. You didn't get the scholarship. You didn't get into the fraternity. You didn't get the job. I mean, your resume was good, but it's not quite good enough. We're picking somebody who's more qualified. Let's be honest. It is painful when we desperately want to be on the inside of something and we're left on the outside. For some of you, this really comes home to roost in the context of church, especially in light of maybe the last couple of years of how through the COVID pandemic, everything has shifted and the way we do life, the way we do community, everything has changed. And some people are really wondering and asking a very deep question, is church even important? Does it even matter anymore? This whole idea of community, is it something that's, that's overrated? You know, as a pastor, I've talked to so many people over the years who used to go to church. They were once part of a church. In some cases, they were deeply involved in church, but they dropped out because something or someone told them either with words or with actions, you're not good enough. You're out. Or maybe from another side of this, there's some of you who have been seeking for some meaning to life. And so you thought, you know what? I'll try church. But then when you got there looking for a community and looking for ways to connect, looking for context to life, it felt as though you were walking into this exclusive club. And even though people smiled and said, welcome, glad you're here, there was something about the vibe, the actions of the people that were there that said otherwise. And you left there thinking, you know what, I, I'm, not, I'm not getting picked for this club. I'm out. And that stings, especially when every Christian, every follower of Jesus would say the same thing. They would tell you, this is a community of love. It's a community of acceptance. But regardless of the words that you never really felt like that you fit in, you always felt out. And for those of you who have experienced that sting, that very real hurt in church, it's left you asking the question, why church? Why even bother with it? One of the things about us here at Pure Heart is that we believe at the core of our being, our heart and soul, which really was the springboard phrase for this entire series. We believe that church was not man's idea. Church was God's idea. It was Jesus's idea. And we as a community, those who follow Jesus, we believe that we carry the message of the hope of Jesus to the world. But the truth is, if we become an exclusive community where people feel like they can't get in, it's not going to matter. The mission that we hold dear to our hearts that seems noble, if we are an exclusive community, that mission is going to lose its effect. And it'll be more challenging for people to hear the message of hope because of what they're experiencing. We have to get this idea 
of community right. But you know, the beautiful thing about it is, even though here we are in 2022 now, some of the earliest struggles that uh, the first followers of Jesus had within themselves was this whole idea of exclusivity. Now, in just a few moments, we're going to take a dive into a passage from the New Testament book of Hebrews in chapter 10 that really addresses this idea. And again, I believe if we as the people of God can ever get this thing right, this this idea of community, which again was God's idea to begin with, it has the potential to be life-changing for you. It has the potential to be life-changing for so many people. If you're watching this weekend and your experience in church has been hurtful, or maybe you're new to church and you've always viewed the church as an exclusive club just for insiders and you just can't really feel like you can break through or get in, I'm so glad that, that you're watching today because what I hope will happen is that you will hear God's heartbeat of what the church should be like and how it should function. So here's what I'd like you to do, something a little bit different uh, than we've done in in most of our our online services. I want to pause this message just for a minute. We're going to ask you to take just a few minutes and pause the video where you're at. Maybe you're watching with some friends, you're watching with some family, and already some things that we've talked about in this message are starting to hit home with you, where maybe you felt the sting of hurt in church because of this idea that you just can't break in, you can't fit in, you you can't break into the exclusive club. When you pause this video, take a few minutes, talk about that with those that are in your group that are watching with you today. Process this together. It's so important that we get these feelings out there of what is happening inside of our lives. If you're watching alone, I would encourage you maybe to take out your phones and make a note or grab a pen and a piece of paper or a journal and start writing down your thoughts. And there's nothing off limits here. You might be angry. You might be hurt. It's okay take the time to get these thoughts out. And then when we come back on the other side of this break, we're going to dive into God's word and show you why church is so important. See you on the other side. Well, I hope that those few moments were helpful for you. And so what I want to do is I want to dive into some scripture today and let's see what God has to say about this whole idea of church, why he believes it's important and why we also should take this seriously. In just a moment, we're going to look at the book of Hebrews. And the book of Hebrews was written to a group of Jewish followers of Jesus who believed that they had found their Messiah. Now, For them, going all the way back to the first century, the problem of exclusivity had started decades earlier, before the letter of Hebrews was actually written. And what was going on is that now all of a sudden, people who weren't Jewish were embracing Jesus as their Savior, and they started following him. And they really didn't know what to do with that. But thankfully, the leadership was wise enough to come up with a solution. And this was early on in the existence of the church. This is what it says in Acts chapter 15. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning 
to God. That is so powerful. Years later, the writer of Hebrews that we're going to look at here remembers what was said here in Acts chapter 15. And he knew that these Jewish followers of Jesus needed a reminder, much like we at times need reminders. So he reminds them that all of us at one time were outsiders, but now we've been brought into a community that represents something so powerful. And here's what it represents. The church is the physical representation of a spiritual invitation. You see, back in the first century, what we call church looked a lot different for Jewish people. It wasn't like we know today. It wasn't come together, sing a few songs, listen to a sermon, and then go have tacos at brush fire. Truth is, it was really an exclusionary experience. Now, here's a diagram of what their church experience would have been like in the first century. It's known as the temple. This was church. And if you look at this picture, I don't have time to go into all the details of this. It's a pretty nuanced diagram but it got exclusionary pretty fast. Now, ladies, I'm sorry, but there was a court for women that you see here on this picture. And if you were a woman in the first century, that was as far as you could go toward the center of the temple. You see that star in the middle of that, that represents where God was. God dwelled in that spot. And so as a woman, that was as close as you could get to God. But guys, you weren't left out either because there was a court for you too. And this was as far as you could go. You couldn't get any closer. But there was an elite group that could go further. They were called the priests. They could go into what they called the court of priests where they would do their jobs. If that's not enough, beyond that, there's two more rooms that got even more exclusionary. The first one was called the holy place. And under the laws of that day, under the Judaic laws, only the direct descendants of Aaron and Moses were picked and chosen to go in there. And then finally, there was the most holy place, which is where the presence of God resided. And only one person, imagine that, only one person known as the high priest could go in there. And even at that, he could only go in there one day a year. Nobody except the high priest could go in there and live. And that was a crazy day. There's so much prep work that was involved just for that one person to go into the presence of God. There was sacrifices. There was cleansing. There's a special wardrobe. There, in fact, this is really fascinating. They would tie a rope around the ankle of the high priest just on the happen chance that when he got in there, he wasn't worthy and he would be struck dead. I mean, let's be honest, it'd be tough to invite a guest to a church like that. Hey, come to our church. The preacher might die this weekend. I mean, this whole experience was an exercise in exclusivity. And here's the irony. These were the in kids. These are the ones who were chosen by God. Nobody could get closer to God than them. This was the nation through whom God would send Jesus. No one could be more in than them. But in reality, when you look at those pictures, you see that they still weren't in. They still couldn't get into the presence of God. If you weren't Jewish, it was even harder. You had your own area called the court of the Gentiles. And if you and I lived in the first century, that's where we would stand, right there. That was as close as you could get to God. That was as far as you could go. 
because you weren't picked. But let's be honest. In reality, everyone was out, Jew and Gentile. I mean, this whole physical building and church experience was a representation of the spiritual distance that existed between God and humanity. And this is how many of you have felt about church, which has left you asking the question, why, why is church even important? Now, for me, I would rather not be invited to the party than show up at the party and feel like I don't belong. I don't know your story or how it happened for you, but when it did happen, I imagined that it either crushed you or it made you so mad, you said, I'll never go back again. That's a terrible place to be when it comes to the church, and yet that's the emotion that the writer of Hebrews, I believe, is trying to bring his readers to, and that is to remember what it was like before when we were all insiders, but we still felt like outsiders because of all these different layers of stuff. And now you're following Jesus and there's all these other people who are coming to put their trust in the same savior that you put your trust in. And if for a minute you forget what it was like, the writer of Hebrews says, I'm going to remind you of something. And here's what he reminded them of. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. If you were hearing this for the very first time, it would take your breath away. I mean, these were people who for more than a thousand years had stood outside and they couldn't get anywhere near the most holy place. They couldn't get any closer to God. But now that they had become followers of Jesus because of what Jesus accomplished through his death, they could go closer. Because of Jesus, think about this, because of Jesus, court of Gentiles, gone. Court of the Israelites, gone. Court of women, gone. Court of men, gone. Court of the priests, gone. We now have access to the very place where the presence of God resides. Because of Jesus, we are in. Because of Jesus, we belong. And that very thing that your soul longs for, which is to know God, that is possible because of what Jesus did. And of all the things that we can belong to in life, friend groups, community groups, teams, think tanks, whatever, there is nothing that compares to belonging in the family of the one who created the universe and sent his son to die in our place. So you can say this with the utmost confidence, I am in. The writer of Hebrews goes on talks about this a little bit deeper. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. This entire passage is a celebration of the inness that we have with God. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a new and living way. And God says, I want you to come with full assurance. I want you to hold tightly to this promise. This is great news. 
And this passage right here is one of the reasons, one of the many reasons that church should be fun and celebratory and inclusive. Church should never be boring and exclusive. I mean, party every weekend at church. Why? Because we are in. We have been handed an all-access pass. We were once so far out and away from God, but because of what Jesus did, the invitation is open to everybody, and the church is a physical representation of this spiritual invitation. So, What's our problem when it comes to community? An interesting thing happens in just about any arena of life when you finally get in on something and that you want to get in on. Subconsciously, when we get in, all of a sudden, we feel a little bit better than the person who was standing where we stood just a little bit ago. I remember back in 2007 when the first iPhone came out. And at that time, I had a Motorola flip phone that literally dropped every other call. And when I saw all these people buying iPhones, I was like, eh, they think they're so cool. And then someone would inevitably ask me, hey, what kind of phone do you have? And I would reply, one that makes calls, which is what a phone is for, you elitist, uppity, yuppity, iPhone club person. See, I was out. But the pastor that I was working with at the time called me in his office and he said, hey, John, let's go for a ride. I said, where are we going? He said, we're going to the cell phone store because we're due for upgrades. Guess what we bought? Yeah, iPhones. Now I was in the club. And the next time I was out in public and I saw somebody whip out their flip phone, I was like, yeah, I, I pity the fool. I mean, you've been there at some level. You got the promotion, made the team landed the job, got the part, got the partnership, and now all of a sudden we're just a little bit better. The problem with being in is that at some level, it always tends to make you an insider. Once you get in, your vision and your focus tends to stay in and look out at the people who stand where you once stood. I mean, it always feels better to be in when someone else is out. And the writer of Hebrews knows this as our tendency. So he continues in this same context. Look what he says here. Let us, and this is in light of everything else that he said before. We've got this new and living way Jesus has provided for us. We're in now because of him. This is what he says. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I remind us again that church is the physical representation of a spiritual invitation. This invitation is to know God through Jesus, and then to become part of a community that truly understands this idea of one another for all people, where all can find a place, where they are continually encouraged and motivated towards love and good deeds. Why? Because they are now in. We are the physical representation of this spiritual invitation to come to know Jesus 
to be reconciled with our Father and to become part of a community where we can be encouraged towards greater love and good deeds. This idea of one another that the writer of Hebrews talks about is so central to the heart of God. There are 59 one another phrases in the New Testament. And I don't have time to read all of them, but here are just a few that really capture this idea. Be at peace with each other. Love one another. Be devoted to each other in brotherly love. Honor one another. Live in harmony with one another. Accept one another. Instruct one another. Have equal concern for each other. Serve one another in love. Carry each other's burdens. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Encourage each other. Build each other up. Pray for each other. And live in harmony with one another. Let me ask you today, what would it look like if the church got this right? What would it look like if we really and truly became a physical representation of a spiritual invitation? To be honest with you, the truth is we can't get there sitting in rows. We've got to get out of rows and into circles, which is what Pastor Dan is going to dive into more deeply in the second part of our series. For now, what I want to do is I want to pray for all of you who feel like that you are on the outside looking in. Maybe you've been exploring this idea of church and following Jesus, but there's something that is just keeping you at a distance. Maybe it's fear that you're not going to be good enough. Can I say to you today that Jesus has made the way for all of us to come and draw to God? All we have to do is say yes to him. And even if your experience with church has been less than stellar and it's something that has kept you from coming to God, let me encourage you today. Don't allow your past experience to stop you from moving into what is the greatest relationship of your life, which is knowing God and having that relationship with Jesus Christ. So today, if you're watching and you want to say yes to Jesus, maybe it's for the first time or maybe it's a rededication, a recommitment of your life to God. Let me pray with you today. And if you just pray this in your heart with me, know that Jesus hears you. So let's pray right now. God, we thank you so much today for giving us this opportunity. And God, I don't know what it is that keeps us from a distance from you. It could be a wide variety of things. But would you today allow this truth to come alive inside of our hearts that Jesus opened up the way for us to come to you, that all these burials, all these layers, these, these different things that have come between us and you, all of that's been taken away in Jesus Christ. And now because of him, we can know you. So today we say yes to Jesus. We say yes to the new and living way that he has provided for us. Today we say, come into our lives, fill our hearts with your love, forgive us of our sins. Allow us, God, today to let you be the Lord of our life, to allow you to lead our life from this day forward. Bring us into this community where we no longer are outsiders, but we are now in because of what you did on our behalf. We're so grateful for that today and give you all the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen.